freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I am your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, June 26th, 2011. We have a good show lined up for you here today. Today on What on Earth is Happening, we are going to be conducting an analysis of the physics of the 9-11 event, specifically the so-called collapse of the Twin Towers, Buildings 1 and 2 of the World Trade Center complex. I'm going to take people through three basic physics equations to prove unequivocally that there were other forces at work in those buildings on that day. Many of the listeners on this network will, of course, know that, but for the extremely left-brained among us and for the psychologically resistant, those still in cognitive dissonance about this event being an inside job, an example of the Hegelian dialectic gone awry, or what I call chaos sorcery, and also a human sacrifice ritual, we will take them through the physics of the event firsthand and show it to them in a way that is undeniable according to the laws of nature. Before we do that, I have one quick event announcement. Coming up here in Philadelphia in a couple of weeks, the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations, the yearly energy independence celebrations hosted by the Tesla Science Foundation. July 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. There's four events that comprise the energy independence celebrations this year. The first is the the Tesla Science Conference, all four days of the event from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 2 Liberty Place, 16th and Chestnut Streets here in Philadelphia. Registration only $100, 50% discount for students with a valid student ID. The Tesla Science Foundation Social featuring a concert by the Divine Hand Ensemble, Saturday, July 9th, 5.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. at the Ethical Society Building, 1906 South Rittenhouse Square. Tickets are $20 in advance, $24 at the door. 
The Tesla birthday celebration featuring a Tesla coil exhibition, Saturday, July 9th, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. at Independence Visitors Center, 5th and Market Streets. This event is free to attend. And finally, Tesla Fest ex exhibitions and open discussions about Nikola Tesla, his technologies, and alternative energy, energy in general. Saturday, July 9th, 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Sunday, July 10th, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Independence Visitor Center, 5th and Market Streets, also free to attend. For more information on this great event coming up here in the city of Philadelphia, check out the Tesla Science Foundation's website at teslasciencefoundation.org. We'll get into the physics of 9-11 on the other side of this break. Stay with us, folks. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Last week, we began to introduce on this show the concept of chaos sorcery. This is kind of a term that I've coined in reference to problem-reaction-solution. It's kind of a different uh, twist or spin that I put on that uh, dynamic. It is a method of mind control. It is probably the most effective methodology of mind control when all others fail. 9-11 was an example of chaos sorcery. It was also a human sacrifice ritual conducted in broad daylight. But there's still a lot of people who believe the official fairy tale. And they do this because they are in total ignorance of the laws of nature. And as I said last week, I have a background in mechanical engineering. I studied in college. I attended the University of Pennsylvania. And I understand the physics equations that would be required to model in a very simple way what we're told happened on that day. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do here today. Now... As I said last week also, this will probably be the most left-brained what on earth is happening show that you will ever hear because it's going to conduct, it's going to have within it a lot of math and physics equations and that shouldn't scare people off because I'll try to convey the ideas behind these equations while I run through them. Through them. Some people may find this boring. Personally, I think it's enlightening to understand that if you understand how dynamics in the real world work, you can tell when you're being lied to. You don't have to take anyone's word for it. You can take the weights and measures, plug in those variables into known laws of nature, and solve them for yourself. And that's what I'm going to show people here today. I want to direct everyone up to my website, whatonearthishappening.com. And there, on the radio show page, you click the tab that says radio show, you will see a few images. There's 10 images there. The last one is the flyer for the Tesla um, Energy Independence Celebration. So the first nine images are what we're going to be working with here today on the show. 
Um, this is a basic presentation on the physics of 9-11 with some visual aids put there for people and all of the equations necessary to understand that what we were told happened on that day cannot be true. Underneath the images, there's a document that is the same thing, only in PDF format if people prefer uh, for all the, all the images to be in one document. You could download that. It's a small file and uh, open it up in a PDF reader on your computer and follow along that way. So, the presentation for today is entitled, The Physics of 9-11, or Why the World Trade Center Towers Could Not, According to the Basic Laws of Dynamics, Have Fallen at the Speeds at Which They Were Observed to Fall, Unless Forces Other Than Weight and Gravity Were at Work. We're going to prove that unequivocally today. Now, when I say forces other than weight and gravity were at work, what I mean by that is that they, there had to be something that went to work on the floors that were below the points of impact. All right, there had to be other forces at work because the upper floors fall at a speed and a time that is impossible according to the laws of of motion. And these are simple dynamics equations. Three equations are needed to understand this. That's it. Two basic dynamics equations that describe the relationships between position, velocity, and acceleration under conditions of uniform acceleration. That's what we're looking at. This is dynamics in one dimension. That's all it is. And the, the forces at work are weight and gravity. So this isn't complicated physics. This is junior year high school physics. And as a matter of fact, I actually used a junior year high school textbook with its physics equations and plugged in the variables. That's all I did. And what I would also like to emphasize that I did in modeling this is that I made extreme assumptions in favor of the official story. Extreme assumptions that no engineer or physicist would ever make when really attempting to model this in a, re in a way that's, you know, truly accurate. So don't get me wrong in think that thinking that this is a highly accurate modeling, okay, of what actually took place. This is an approximation that completely makes allowances in total favor of the official story. And I'll explain that as I take you through the, uh, the pages, okay? So... Page one was simply the explanation of what we're going to be looking at today. If we look at image number two or page two, whether you're looking at the images or the PDF document, we see a graphical representation of the North Tower 
This is World Trade Center 1, Building 1. It was the building with the radio antenna on top. And I have, I'm showing here that the building was comprised of 110 stories, 110 floors, and it was 417 meters in height from its base to the top of the top floor. The dotted arrowed line there shows the approximate impact height of Flight 11, the flight that hit the North Tower. And it strikes floor 93, approximately. Now, first of all, for those who have any background in the occult at all, they'll recognize these immediately as occult significant numbers. These are significant numbers in the occult. We won't get into that today. We will be beginning the journey of going down that rabbit hole next week. The occult significances of the 9-11 event. Okay? So I've put a chart here on the right-hand side of the image of the North Tower with a few of its um, weights and measures, basically. Okay? The loaded weight of World Trade Center 1 was approximately 450 million kilograms. There's the music for this next break. We'll be right back after these messages, folks. Don't go anywhere. We will be analyzing the physics of the 9-11 event and showing how we, what we are told happened was impossible on that day. I'm your host, Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're looking at the physics of 9-11 today, proving according to the laws of nature that the official story is a fairy tale and could not have happened the way that we were told. We're looking at image number two on the radio listen page of whatonearthishappening.com where all of the related images for today's show can be found. And we are looking at basic weights and measures, basic numbers re related to the World Trade Center North Tower. The loaded weight of the entire building was 450 million kilograms. One of the loaded floors because there were 110 stories, is approximately 4,100,000 kilograms. The height of each floor is approximately 3.8 meters. Now, here in the next section of this table, I put the height of five impacted floors. Now, approximately three floors or so, maybe four, are damaged by the direct impact. I'm assuming five, and here's what I'm doing. I am actually removing those floors to basically allow for the top portion to crash down into the bottom portion because, as we're told, this is a progressive collapse or a pancaking collapse. 
even if you have buckling of steel that may have been weakened as the the official fairy tale goes, okay, no one would model something completely removing floors entirely as if they don't exist. Now, not only am I going to remove these five impacted floors and let the building, the top portion of the building, drop onto the bottom portion of the building, I am also going to keep the impacted floors intact for weight purposes. So, uh, in other words, what we're going to be doing is, let's say, the, the next, um, the next uh, part of this table will explain this. So, I'll just continue. The height of the five impacted floors we're going to be looking at is 19 meters. That's five times 3.8 meters. The plane is said to have hit at the 93rd floor. Okay, so, and that's the lowest estimate given of the plane's impact, flight 11, okay? So the height of the lowest damaged floor, or floor 93, is 354.4 meters. What I am doing is taking the portion of the building, the number of floors at or above impact, which is the last part of this table, which is 18 floors, and I'm actually raising them up by 19 meters or the size of five impacted floors and then allowing them to drop with no resistance whatsoever onto the floors below. Now, this is a radical assumption in favor of the official story. Okay, this is saying all of the weight above is falling at the acceleration due to gravity with no resistance until it impacts on the floors below the impact point. Okay? Hopefully people will, will grasp that concept and understand how I'm modeling this in a sort of an unrealistic way to give more credence to the official story. Okay? I'm, I'm making radical assumptions in favor of the official story and even with those assumptions in place we will find at, when we come to the conclusion that the official story cannot be true. Okay? So, in the next slide or page we go to or page three in the PDF document, okay? I am showing the 18 floors disconnected now. However, they are now raised up the height of five impacted floors. And the undamaged structure beneath the 93 floors that remain in Tower 1 are approximately 354.4 out of the 417 meters, Okay. We are now going to take the knowns and put them into dynamics equations of physics. And uh, again, the book that I used was Principles of Physics, where these basic equations of dynamics and Newton's laws of motion can be found, among many other uh, physics equations. Principles of Physics, this is a high school physics textbook. Fi Principles of Physics, third edition by Blatt, B-L-A-T-T, -T, and this was published by Allen and Bacon Publishing, A-L-L-Y-N and Bacon, B-A-C-O-N, okay? That's the textbook used to basically solve this, these equations. So, this first equation, 
V squared equals V zero squared plus two AD. I'll explain what this means. This is a dynamics equation describing relationship between position, velocity, and acceleration under conditions of uniform acceleration or the acceleration due to gravity. Okay, so V is the final velocity that we are going to attempt to calculate by plugging in the knowns of the World Trade Center weights and measures. V0 squared, the term V0 means the initial velocity of the upper block, the upper portion, or the 18 floors above. And we know that that is zero because they start from rest and then we are allowing gravity to take take over and let, let those portions, those floors, smash down into the remaining floors. Okay? Two, now A, okay, A is the acceleration due to gravity, which is 9.81 meters per second squared, okay? And D is the displacement, or the height that the block is falling, and we know that. We calculated that. It's, we're removing five floors completely, which is a, a pretty radical assumption. N no resistance over five entire floors, okay? assuming steel disappeared instantly, the whole st structure on those five floors disappears completely, but we're still keeping all of the mass of the building in those 18 floors. We're not actually removing them, we're just letting them fall through the, that distance of 19 meters or five floors, okay? Again, a radical assumption that no one would actually model it that way in real life, okay, because I'm making I'm making, again, ridiculous assumptions in favor of the official story, to put it bluntly, okay? And uh, that's what D represents here, okay? So we're, we're attempting to solve now, since we have all knowns on the right-hand side of the equation, we simply plug in the numbers and do the arithmetic, okay? V0 is 0, so 0 squared is 0, okay? Then we have plus and then 2 times A, which is 9.8 meters per second squared, times D, which is 19 meters. The result that we get is that the final velocity, when we calculate this, we add those together, then we take the, the square root, we do the multiplication, add it, time zero, add it to zero, and then we take the square, square root of that, okay? And we would get 19.3 meters per second. That is the approximate velocity at which the top block is moving when it meets the bottom floors, okay? The next equation that we need to understand is Newton's second law of motion. Force is equal to the mass of an object times it, its acceleration. So we're going to calculate the two forces at work between the upper falling portion and the portion that it falls down on to. We'll do that after we come back. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I'm looking into the physics of the 9-11 event today. We'll continue with that when we come back after these messages. Com.
welcome back, folks. This is I'm Mark Passio. Today we are looking into the physics of the 9/11 event. Do you question the official story? If so, the equations I'm going to take people through will pretty much solidify that position. If you think the official story is true, I would say you're pretty much in cognitive dissonance because what we are told happened could not actually be the case according to laws of nature. So we were looking at image number three on the radio show page of whatonearthishappening.com where I have presentation slides posted with basic physics equations. We're up the middle of the page, the law of motion, Newton's second law of motion, F equals MA. Many people may be familiar with or have heard uh, this law stated in this way. We are going to calculate forces one and two, which are labeled on the tower itself there, and I've drawn uh, vector arrows to show the direction that these forces go in. I'm taking down as the positive and up as the negative, okay? Because the direction of motion is downward. So, force one, let's calculate it. It is equal to the mass of the upper floors times the acceleration due to gravity, or mg. So we have 18 floors times 4 million 100,000 kilograms times the acceleration due to gravity, which is 9.81 meters per second squared, and we get the result of approximately 724 million newtons, 723,978,000 newtons. Newtons uh, is the um, um, constant that represents kilograms times meters per second squared, which is what we're working with in the uh, equation above. Okay? So, that's the force carried by the upper portions of the building above the point of impact. Force number two is the resistance force offered by the floors below that carried that upper portion for the lifetime of the building. And they are built with safety factors in mind, not just on the edge of the, the weight carried by those floors. Because if that were the case, as soon as you started to load those floors, the building would collapse. So they're built with a significant safety factor in mind. And I'm sure what they were at, the safety factor is actually larger than what I'm calculating. So we're taking the mass of the upper floors plus the, the safety factor mass, which I've labeled there M sub S, times the acceleration due to gravity. When we solve for this, we get a greater number, but it's in the other direction because it's the resistance force. And of course, that makes sense. It would have to be greater because it held the upper portion of those floors there. Of course, we wouldn't see it right on the edge or equal to it. 
So that force, when you plug in the numbers and do the calculation, is approximately 794,610,000 newtons. Okay, so far so good. We've calculated the two basic forces that are at work when this block comes crashing down in this so-called progressive collapse. And again, this is more radical, okay, than anyone would actually calculate it, again, in favor of the official fairy tale. And of course, there'll be, there'll be all kinds of people debunking everything and saying, no, there's, it's too simplistic. Actually, this is a closer understanding than modeling it in a, um, an even more complicated way to understand that it could not have happened the way we were told. Because even with these assumptions in place, as we'll see when we calculate the time required for that mass at the top to come through all of that other mass, even if you had buckling involved, okay, is impossible. It, it could not, no matter what you do, you're not going to get it down to the 11 seconds that are observed with your own eyes. But people will continue to insist that that's the case, that magically that much steel can bend, buckle, and collapse and pancake down on top of itself when you don't even see all of that material at the bottom in the debris pile. And I'll tell you why you don't and this is getting ahead of ourselves, but you don't see that because it blew away as dust, ladies and gentlemen. That's why. It blew away. It powderized. It was completely pulverized into dust. Steel, concrete, office furniture, everything in the building blew away across southern Manhattan and across the river. So keep, keep enjoying your cognitive dissonance and, uh, and living in the, in the cage that you live in because you don't want to take the responsibility to actually do anything about what these psychopaths have done. But going back to the, the equations, I, I just had to interject a little bit of vitriol to all of the people in cognitive dissonance out there. Uh, but let's go back to the equations, which don't lie. But like I said, people will still ignore them. They'll ignore what's right in front of their own face. Like I said, the occultists told me when I was working with them, if they told the people that they're their owners, they wouldn't believe them. What, makes, what made me think that they're, they're going to believe me? But believe whatever you want, folks. It's, uh, it's your freedom that's being destroyed. So um, let's look at image number four. Okay, which we're going to now use the two forces we just calculated and we're going to plug them into Newton's second law again to find the acceleration at which the top block strikes the bottom block with. So the sum of the forces equals the sum of the masses times the sum of the acceleration. We're solving for acceleration. That's the unknown that we're looking for. Okay, when we do this, we plug in these numbers. So the sum of the forces is these two uh, calculations of F1 and F2 that we did in the previous page. We add those together. So in other words, we're adding a negative, so that's like subtracting. We'll get a negative number at the top part of this equation. And then at the bottom, we have the 18 floors, okay? And on the one side, we have the, the 18 floors above without their safety factor and then with the safety factor, okay? 
So this is the sum of the masses at work. All right, we get the number negative 0.456 meters per second squared. That means you have a deceleration when the upper block strikes the lower block. It's in the negative direction. Okay? The initial acceleration is zero. So when we're solving for the sum of the accelerations, the initial acceleration is zero. The final acceleration is in the negative direction. That means, and this is common sense, when the block, the top block hits the bottom one, it will slow down somewhat. Okay? And this is the amount that it will slow down. 0.456 meters per second squared. Okay? And again, this is a an approximation. I'm not uh, claiming that these numbers will be exact, but we know there, that a deceleration will take place. And this is actually, I've seen this calculated in other places, and this is actually not as radical as other people calculate it. I'm saying that the block is still moving at a pretty decent pace, okay, as it collides with that bottom portion of the building. Now, we have several knowns now from our calculations. We have the, if we look at image number five, slide number five, we have the distance of the floors that are remaining intact below the point of impact, 354.4 meters or 93 floors. We know the velocity at which the two portions of the building strike each other approximately. And we know the acceleration at which the upper portion of floors is moving when it strikes the lower portion of floors. We are now going to plug those into another dynamics equation. D or displacement, okay, which that block, upper block needs to travel, is equal to the initial velocity times time plus one half the acceleration times time squared. We'll get into this last dynamics equation to understand the 9-11 event after these messages. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. Hopefully everybody has their sunglasses on. This is what on earth is happening. We're looking at the physics of 9-11 today. The images for today's presentation can be found on whatonearthishappening.com in the radio, on the radio show tab. Hopefully I'll get to some calls in the next hour. Uh, after this next segment, I guess I'll give the call-in numbers so we can take some calls. We're on image number five. And we're about halfway down the page at the green equation, which is another dynamics equation. Displacement equals initial velocity times time plus one-half acceleration times time squared. Okay, we have all of the knowns 
except for time. Everything in this equation we have solved for and we have knowns except for time. So we are going to now solve for time. This is the key factor to understand that the official version is impossible. They're telling us that due to any kind of collapse, okay, which implies structural deformation, structural collisions happening, that we could have had a collapse in the amount of time the buildings are observed to fall in. And when you solve this equation, you understand that's impossible. All supporting structural mass had to be removed by some unknown forces at work in order for the building to come down in the time observed. That's it. And, I, you know, to get into the whole uh, de debating and infighting that goes on on how this was done or that was done, I honestly don't care. The proof is... The proof lies in solving for the time aspect. And I don't care what you do. You will not get it down to even close to 11 seconds. I don't care what you do. Okay? And this is a insanely conservative estimate of how long it would take according to this model that I've set up that doesn't even approximate reality in real life. Okay, so let's just, ex I'll explain what I've done here. The displacement is 353.4 meters, the height of 93 floors. V0 is the velocity that the top portion of floors strikes the bottom portion with. We calculated that a couple of slides back, 19.3 meters per second. Times time plus one half or 0.5 times the acceleration which we calculated, which we see was a deceleration or an acceleration in the negative direction, okay? 0.456 meters per second squared times times squared. Now, all I've done is I've kept, on the left, I've kept 353.4 equals 19.3 T, okay? And then on the right, I solved the one-half AT, portion and kept t squared in so it's minus 0 0.228 t squared now in the next line all I'm doing is putting these in a different order okay so I'm taking the t squared variable and I'm putting it first okay so it's negative 0 0.228 t squared plus 19.3 t okay so I'm taking what was on the right-hand side, I'm rearranging the terms to put it in terms of t squared and t, okay? And then on the, uh, I'm bringing 353.4 to the same side of the equation. You bring it over as a negative, setting that equal to zero, just to show that this is indeed a simple quadratic equation. It's a simple second-order polynomial. This is no more advanced than high school algebra, okay? Okay? So we, are, we get the result is a quadratic equation in the form of ax squared plus bx plus c equals zero. And in doing that, we know that the formula to solve the variable in a second degree polynomial or a quadratic equation is this formula that I present below, which is x equals minus b 
plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac, all of that over 2a. And that is, we're not referring to acceleration with a here, we're referring to the, the, um, uh, the uh, coefficient in ax squared, okay? And that's what these a and b, a, b, and c represent here, okay? So a is the coefficient before t squared. B is the coefficient before T, and C is the, the final term, 354.4. When you plug in all of these numbers into this equation, I did not put that on here to belabor things because, let's be honest, this is boring enough without going through all the arithmetic involved to do the calculations. You can plug in the numbers yourself. And I think I did a fairly decent job having dusted off these skills, not even looking at any of this stuff like, you know, for the past almost 20 years, okay? Um, 18 uh, years, whatever it is. And, you know, the other thing is if people think this is what I want to be doing with my personal time, you have to be madly out of your mind, madly, ridiculously insane, if you think this is what I like to do or want to do this, I'm doing this to try to present people with somewhat sensible evidence and proof that what we're told about this event is a complete fabrication. But again, believe whatever you want. Um, and the result that I get, I got here is the time in seconds required for that block to fall through its greatest path of resistance even making these crazy assumptions would be 26.79 seconds, almost 27 seconds. And we witness it happening at almost one third of that speed. Impossible. Impossible. Okay. Let's go to image six. And this does the same thing with the South Tower. I'll take it through even faster. Okay. So the South Tower was 415 floors 415 meters, I'm sorry, 110 floors. We see here the approximate impact height of flight 175, which as we'll see next week is also an occult number, and it strikes floor 77, also a significant occult number, okay? You think these are coincidences? I would say you're crazy if you think that all of these numbers are coincidences, if you have any study or understanding of the occult at all, you understand every one of these numbers is an extraordinarily significant occult numerological number. But let's get back to the physics. World Trade Center 2 loaded weight, and you know, um, I pro should not even be using the word weight technically here. It's mass, but you know, it's it's close enough. You understand what's meant here. You know, it's the kilograms is actually a measure of mass. So it's 450. I'll probably correct that in the slides for posterity, but we understand what we're talking about here. The loaded weight of the tower is approximately 450 million kilograms, the mass of the tower, I should have said. Okay. Um, the uh, loaded mass of each floor is approximately uh, 4.1 million kilograms. Okay. The floor height. 3.8 meters approximately, again, 3.75 something. I rounded it off to 3.8. I did that even to just make it have more impact when it comes down, you know, to just round it off to that. The height of five impacted floors, again, we'll be doing the same thing, is also 19 meters. The height of the lowest damaged floor was floor 77. 
292.6 meters, and the number of floors above impact, 34 floors. Okay, those are the basic um, measures that are needed to understand the uh, dynamics. So, let's move on to slide number seven, where we do the same thing. Our same dynamics equation, V squared equals V zero squared plus 2AD. Okay? So we're solving for, for V. Okay, the initial velocity is zero. Acceleration is due to gravity, 9.81 meters per second squared. The displacement is 19 meters or the height of five floors. We get 19.3 meters per second, the same as the North Tower result. Force equals mass times acceleration, Newton's second law of motion. We're calculating force one and two. The vectors are shown applied to the building on the left there. When we calculate these forces, we get results of 1.367 million newtons and 1,500,000,000 million newtons. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break, folks. Stay with us. equation of Newton's second law of motion, F equals ma, or in other words, mass times the acceleration due to gravity. We have 34 floors times 4.1 million kilograms of mass per floor times 9.81 meters per second squared, the acceleration due to gravity. We get approximately 1.3 billion newtons. The second force, which is in the resistance force in the upward direction, or the negative direction. Again, the floors are built with safety factors in mind to account for the mass of the floors above being loaded with people, equipment, etc. I've calculated that actually pretty low. So you get 34 floors times 4.5 million kilograms times 9.81 meters per second, and you get an approximation of 1.5 billion newtons in the upward direction or negative. On page 8, plugging these numbers into Newton's second law, again to solve for acceleration, the sum of the accelerations equals the sum of the forces divided by the sum of the masses. So we plug in the numbers of, of the forces and then we plug in the masses, we get an acceleration that is the same deceleration rate as we do for the North Tower, negative 0.456 meters per second squared. The initial acceleration is zero, so the final acceleration when the blocks 
collide would be 0.456 meters per second squared in the negative direction or in other words a deceleration on the final slide or image number nine I'm taking the knowns that we have solved for which is the displacement over the 77 floors the initial velocity that the two that the top block comes down onto the lower portions of floors with and the acceleration at which that top portion of floors meets the bottom portion of floors we are those are knowns now and we are plugging those into the dynamics equation displacement equals v0 which is initial velocity times time plus one half or 0.5 acceleration times time squared 0.5 at squared so the displacement is 292.6 meters or 77 floors equals the initial acceleration at which the blocks collide the top portion collides with the bottom which is 19.3 meters per second times time plus 0.5 times the acceleration which we saw was a deceleration minus 0.456 meters per second squared times time squared I rearranged the terms to get a quadratic equation in the form of ax squared plus bx plus c equals zero and I'll give you the result of that on the other side of this break. I'll also get the call-in numbers when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back on what on earth is happening. We're looking at the physics of the 9-11 event today on the show. And uh, we'll open up the phone to calls, hopefully this segment. The call-in number, 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number is 866-841-1065. I'll be wrapping up the physics, hopefully in this segment, and then we'll get to the phones. We are looking at image number nine or page nine of the PDF document on the radio show page for what on earth is happening.com. And we were solving for the amount of time that would be required if these top portions of floors were have to, if the building were to have, let's say, buckled and then these floors crashed into the floors below. And we're doing this in a very, very um, um, a, a way that allows, that grants huge allowances in favor of the official story. Uh, and th this method of calculating this, don't get me wrong, uh, would not be any way that a, an actual engineer or physicist would, would do this because they would never make these radical assumptions in favor of the official story. They would actually try as much as possible to calculate these forces and vectors as close to 
as accurate, accurately to reality as they possibly could. And that would involve plugging in a lot of numbers into computers and then mo modeling everything. And even if you did that, you would still not get down to 10 or 11 seconds at which we see this building collapse because all it ultimately comes down to is the mass of those lower floors were removed, period. That's that. This is the inescapable conclusion that you ultimately arrive at if you have half a brain capable of coming to conclusions based on laws of nature. Even if you have half a brain, okay. If you have if you have even a remainder or a remnant of an ability to trust your own senses and use apply even the the smallest modicum of common sense, you realize that. That up, those upper portion of floors fell with basically the speed due to gravity, the acceleration due to gravity. They fell with the acceleration due to gravity, meaning there was no resistant force opposing them. And that you, you need to come to an inescapable conclusion about that. And this is where I'm, I'm, not, I'm throwing out the whole idea of even controlled demolitions. There's something even beyond that at work. What removes completely all resistant forces and doesn't leave that much debris there over 93 and 77 floors? We'll, we'll look into that. We'll speculate about that after I finish these equations. But let's get back to the physics. We were solving the dynamics equation D equals V0 plus 1 half AT squared, which is in green on the last page, page number 9. When we plug in the numbers, we get a quadratic equation, which is point, negative 0.228t squared plus 19.3t minus 292.6 equals zero. This is a simple quadratic equation or a second order polynomial in the form of ax squared plus bx plus c equals zero. Solving for the variable, we get, and we use the formula presented in the white box there, which is the uh, formula to solve a, a quadratic equation. We get t equals 19.78 seconds, and that's an extremely conservative estimate. No way it could have even happened that fast in reality, okay? And it's still twice approximately the amount of time. In the first example, we saw it was three times the amount of time that we witness with our own eyes and on videotape, okay? And in this example, it's almost twice the amount of time witnessed. 20 seconds approximately. Impossible. Unless you are completely pulverizing to dust all of the resistant forces in those lower floors. Now, what can do that? What could possibly do that? And see, I speculated a little bit last week when I had Daryl on, Daryl Rollins last week was my guest, that maybe some weaponry that we don't yet know about may have been employed from above. But I, the more and more I look at it, I think that's not the case either. The, the inescapable conclusion that you come to is that this other force was applied from below. And inescapably, when you start to look at that possibility and you see the evidence of molten steel in the basements of the towers that burned for weeks afterward, there was some kind of weapon we as yet still do not know about that was deployed on this day. 
And I'll, I'll tell you my reasons for thinking that and what it really meant. But this isn't a typical controlled demolition. The mass isn't accounted for. Not even thermate. You would still have so much material, so much substance alone. That substance was disintegrated. It was disintegrated. It was taken apart. And it was when, when the mass of the top portion of floors fell into all of that disintegrated material, it simply blew away across southern Manhattan and across the, the, the river over toward New Jersey. That's what happened with all of that mass. That's what happened. That's why it's not in the basements of the towers. It was breathed in by tons of people and blanketed the entire island of Manhattan, the lower portion of it. And the only thing I could think of that could possibly do that is some sort of a scalar weapon. Or a seismic weapon of some kind. There are speculations that it may have been some kind of nuclear charge that we don't really understand or know about that created this, this pulse of energy that traveled upward from the, the base of the buildings up to these floors where the, where the, the planes impacted. And um, basically disintegrated uh, all of the lower portions, and then the top portion had nothing resisting it. So I think people should definitely look into that as a possibility that some kind of al alternative weaponry that we as yet still do not understand about and look into the possibilities that something like that was involved. Because nothing else that I understand or know about could possibly cause the pulverization of that much matter. So, is this Tesla technology at work that's been perverted? It's quite possibly. I mean, that's why I think people should look into the work of people like uh, Judy Wood, who speculates about this and just looks at the actual empirical data that is observable with our own eyes about what we see occurred on that day and you have to keep an open mind to be willing to do that because there's something that we still have not looked into about the events of that day the forces that were at work as a whole as a people and we need to look into it we'll be right back and hopefully we'll take some calls after these messages We're back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about a pretty hot push-button topic, 9-11, what really happened on that day. I took people through a whole bunch of physics equations on this show. You can find those equations on my site at whatonearthishappening.com. They'll be posted along with the podcast. And uh, I want to let people know that uh, podcast, uh, for the, the podcast for last week 
had a whole lot of 9-11 information attached to it. This was podcast number 65. And uh, that's all there on the podcast page of the uh, website. And it's just so much material to go through. In drudging up all of this stuff again, for me, it's actually like a pretty painful process because you you start to look back on these events, realize where your mindset was back then, because I'll tell you the truth, and I'm not even proud to admit it, I accepted the fi- official fairy, st- fairy tale version on day one. It took me a few months to understand this as something other than what it was claimed to be. Even with what I knew about the occult, which makes me look back in hindsight and say, how could I not have seen it from day one? Okay, so, you know, even with a lot of knowledge, people, when they get into a fear-induced state, don't think clearly. Forget about what they know or even witness with their own eyes and are willing to accept an explanation that makes no sense. So let's uh, take some calls in this segment. We don't have anybody on the line right now. I'll give the call-in number again, 866-841-1065. If anyone wants to chime in, the phones are open. I'll go right to your calls. Once again, the call-in number, 866-841-1065. I want to get back into some speculation about the causal factors involved. Okay, Controlled demolition is often brought up and it is quite possible there were many demolition charges set in the building to weaken the, the structure and make it come down even faster. Um, on the podcast for last week, I posted a couple of things. Uh, one was possible evidence of some sort of alternative weaponry being involved, like Judy Wood proposes, exotic weaponry, possible particle beam weaponry, okay, Um, that actually disintegrated the underlying structure. Possible? Absolutely. Seismic weaponry, scalar weaponry. Is this Tesla technology that's at work, a perverted form of Tesla technology? Is this a standing wave that's set up under the building? possibly even through the earth. Who knows? I don't have the answer of how exactly it was done. Is the how as important as the why, though? See, the how is what's creating all the infighting over 9-11 truth. Oh, it was controlled demolition. No, it was particle beam weaponry. No, it was thermate. We have to get out of this whole dualistic mindset of fighting about the details and understand this was done. It was a com- covert psyop operation, a psychological warfare op. It was conducted by occultists. And you can call those secret societies. You can call those intelligent agencies. I don't care what you call it. This was an occult ritual. And I'm, go- I'm going to prove that. And yes, it can be proven that this was an occult ritual, can be proven according to the laws of physics that this did not happen according to the official story. There is proof in these equations. The laws of nature work 100% of the time. They don't waver. That's why they're called laws. They're not suggestions, okay? They're laws. If you're in a 1G environment, in the three-dimensional space-time realm with the gravity of the earth, the laws of nature 
work and physics and dynamics work the same way reliably 100% of the time never altering or failing that's why they are laws so the people still in cognitive dissonance over this thinking that it could have happened the way the official story went you're li living in a dream world in a dream reality can I explain every aspect of it of course I can't but understanding the amount that I understand about physics, I can prove it to myself that it didn't happen the way they claimed that it happened. And certainly understanding what I understand about the occult, I can definitely prove that this was an occult ritual and I'm going to begin that process next week. So you won't want to miss the shows coming up here on what on earth is happening as we go into the deep, dark occult aspects of the 9-11 event. Let's go to the phones. Caller, are you there? You're on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. No problem. This is, uh, Mike from New York. Hey, Mike. How are you? Was Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for the amazing uh, job you did on creating the PDF. It goes into a lot of math that, you know, not a lot of people go into. Um, I was calling on uh, behalf of the, you know, of just saying that 9-11 itself and trying to explain to people that, you know, they say, well, what's the reason? Why do they, why would they do such a thing? I said, well, there's a, there's a million reasons why they would. Just none of them, they just don't want you to believe any of them. They just want the official story put out. But another thing uh, you could bring up is that, you know, even the plane, you know, supposed to plane hitting the Pentagon, you know, how come in every single, uh, you know, display of evidence that they don't even have, you know, uh, scratch marks from the engines before the, you know, plane hit the uh, wall of the Pentagon. You know, everything is just a, a circle and a hole. With all the videos that captured that event, why don't we have, we have four frames, what is it, four or five frames that they claim was the video of the plane hitting? Why don't we have videos from all other angles? Surely it would have been captured a multitude of times had that been a plane that, that struck the Pentagon. Living in the nanny state, you think that they would have such video all the time. They have video of robberies in every single state of every single, you know, different stores, but they can't get, you know, massive, you know, planes hitting different things and what happened on, you know, on certain things, even with guidance systems, you know, uh, you know, the official plane of what, uh, story of what happened to the plane that was brought down over in Pennsylvania was never fully uh, explained. And look at the flight numbers that we're talking about. Once again, the same numbers keep coming up and people think that this is accidental. Flight 11 hits floor 93. Flight 175 hits floor 77. Flight 93 the only crashes in Pennsylvania and flight 77 allegedly hits the Pentagon. I mean, these, these are the same numbers coming up again and again because the occultists love their numerology. They love it, and these numbers are significant. They have meanings attached to them, and we'll go into that next week. But yeah, you definitely raise a lot of good points. Where is all the evidence of, of the, uh, 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 the flight that's allegedly crashed in, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, Flight 93? Where is all the evidence of the flight that hit the, uh, the Pentagon, supposedly? You know, we don't even see that kind of debris yeah. again. The only, the only way, well, they're, they're just not trying to explain it. The black boxes are gone. The only way I could, or, or taken, taken by supposed FBI or CIA, 
that day because uh, they, they can be retrieved. They can withstand any impact that was given to them on that day. Sure. Uh, besides po- the possible basement, uh, you know, cold nuke explosion. Right. The, uh, the, the amount of accuracy also as well. You, you're saying how the plane hit a certain floor. For, for these would-be trained pilots that were trained here in the United States, uh, the accuracy of that was amazing. Even they said the, uh, the flight patterns and the angles you know, we're, we're all so so meticulous. It's almost almost to be to say it was done either through you know uh, remote pilot, remote controlling the plane itself as a test for what we have today as the small drones flying around with probably great, way more precision. Great points, Mike. We'll pick this up on the other side. Stay with us. We're back on What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We've been talking about the physics of the 9-11 event. Some of the possible hows. The how of what they did to pull this off. We've been talking about some of the possible whys. Why would they have gone through so much trouble to conduct such an operation in broad daylight of the the general population and the main thing is to put people in fear that's first and foremost because people in fear are easily controlled and that's the name of the game and then you could use this as justifications for further encroachments into people's personal freedoms And if people are too psychologically immature to be able to handle that, they're going to believe whatever they want. And no amount of evidence is ever going to change their mind. And the other part of it is, once they really did empirically understand, factually grasp the concept that this was created by people, not the people we are told that made this happen, but elements, demented, sick elements within the governmental structure and the intelligence agencies that we have built up all around us. That implies responsibility. Something that very few human beings really want. Sad to say. See, I'm not an apologist for people. Most people don't want any personal responsibility. They want to run a thousand miles an hour in the opposite direction from it. And if if it comes down to you're responsible for actually doing something about this now that you know most people will say I don't want to know before the break we were talking with Mike from New York let's go back to him and see if he has anything else Mike are you still with us? Hi Mark. Hey. Uh, yes thanks. Um, I was just uh, also stating uh, I was trying to get to another point of the precision was the technological side but also this might lead up into maybe the occult side as well the the, the also precision accuracy that you would have to be in order maybe if maybe if some of those planes or some of the participants in the 9/11 uh, you know uh, plan itself would have would have been in sort of a mind controlled state I believe uh, a case example would have uh, would be Diana where the the limo hit I believe the 13th pillar going over 60 miles an hour um, right. you know driving that fast and you know being a, you know trying to consciously count the 13th pillar and hit it 
would be really difficult, but in a different sort of uh, frame of mind or under a form of mind control, uh, that's you're working with the uh, unconscious, subconscious level where, you know, that's almost like walking, you know, in terms of the speed it can really gather and, you know, see information. You're accessing the deep computer components of the human brain, which can uh, determine things to that high level of an accuracy in ways that we would perceive as almost superhuman in an ordinary state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, under trauma-based mind control, things like that are certainly possible because when the mind fractures from enough torture, you can actually access components or what they call alters of the brain that do have these capabilities. How, how, mu how much of our brain do we really use? What, what, is, what capabilities are in the other portions that lie dormant in our everyday waking state? So absolutely, that's a great point to bring up. And, you know, the other part is, does it have to be absolutely deliberate and planned or orchestrated? Can this be an example of what is known as synchromysticism, which I bring up a lot of times as well, in which the universe is actually telling us things through the organization of information and data uh, in order to assist the process in awakening. And I, I believe that the, the concept of synchromysticism is valid and real. And I think more people should look into this and try to develop an understanding of what synchromysticism is. And it's a deep rabbit hole to go down. Uh, it can hurt your brain sometimes, literally trying to see all of these yeah. correspondences. If you look at, if you look at uh, even if you go back and you search for old radio shows, websites, things, things of that nature, right before 9-11 and right after 9-11, even, you know, different people, Terrence McKenna, you know, just one example of people that say there was a, a, a psychic wave that almost yes. shocked that, you know, it could have went either way. Right. You know, 9-11 could have, you know, some people could have said 9-11 could have been a positive you know, maybe a, 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 you might see that from like Richard Hoagland or something like that. But it it could have went either way, and somehow it was hijacked in in a sense that you know, nine eleven itself represents uh, a shift or a time yes. or a point in in in, in essence, and that it, it's not just one thing. It's you can't blame George Bush if you want to do it was just thrown out there as the puppet forefront. Right. You know, if you, if you want to if you want to you know learn about you know some of the just. The, the basic people, you know, you can look at Dick Cheney as a, as a, as a vile example of a, a human being that, that really, you know, did a lot of horrible things to orchestrate some of the things that have happened or that we're running into in this uh, third dimensional reality. Mike, great points, man. And I'll tell you, we have to really look at the esoteric sides of this issue to understand what really went down. And we'll start doing that next week. And, uh, um, Mike brought up some good points. This was like a shock wave in the human consciousness that happened around that time. And you pick up the ripples of it on both sides of that timeline, on both sides of that moment, particularly before, I would say, where there was all kinds of synchromystic elements that were trying to point us to the direction of this is coming, this is coming, this event is coming. And uh, those ripples are interacting with us. They're, they're winking to us and, you know, I, I like the whole idea of it being possibly a positive, okay? Yes, a lot of death and destruction happened and that, those are horrible things and people should be held accountable for those, okay? But in a, in a wider sense, I like a phrase that Michael Tessarion often uses, did 9-11 shake you up or did it wake you up? 
did you go down the rabbit hole as a result of this event and was your consciousness transformed? I know mine was. I know this opened my eyes up to a whole lot of things that they had been closed to before. And they had been open to a lot of things even before that. But this radically accelerated my personal awakening for sure. So um, even in the dark cloud, there is that silver lining. Okay, what are we going to do about it? That's the main question. Are we going to just let this stand? Are we going to just let it go? Or are we going to press for truth, as they say? Are we going to actually get this exposed by raising our voice and not being silent about it until those who are truly responsible are brought to justice? So here we go. Caller, you're on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Caller. Hello? Yes, you're yes, on. Am I on? You're on live, yes. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to uh, change the subject, but I'm kind of curious about something. Sure. And like everybody else on that terrible day, I was shocked. I woke up with a terrible head cold, and I didn't know what was going on. And I turned on the TV, but I didn't turn the volume up. And I, I couldn't find my glasses. As usual, I can't find my glasses when I wake up. So all I see is smoke on the screen, but I'm trying to squint to see what's going on. I said, okay, that volcano in the Philippines acting up again. And then I turned on the computer, listened to my internet radio uh, show, and I heard this talk show host say, well, we got attacked, but we don't know who I'm. I said, what, what are they talking about? But finally, I found my glass. I don't up my toe and turned the TV on, and there was the train towers and billowing smoke. Now, make a long story short. Uh, years later, they would show clips of Muhammad Atta and them going through the uh, Boston, what, Logan Airport? Right. You yeah, check in. Yes. Right. Now, I'm kind of curious about something. Why did they show one lousy clip of Atta and his boy going through the uh, security check-in? Well, that's just to finger somebody as the patsy. That's all. Whether he was on that plane or not. You know, he wasn't the mastermind be behind the entire thing. They need to present somebody to the public to complete the PSYOP. That's why they're just showing him there. You know, and that's supposed okay. to be proof that he was the mastermind who orchestrated the, the so-called hijackings. All right. Now I'm going to hit you in the leg with something. Okay. You ready? Sure. All right. They had to check in, uh, go to a lounge, right, for the airline, like going to the American Airlines lounge. Once you done got past security, you go to the check-in lounge and sit for a while. Okay. Right? How come that sometimes your family members, you know, go to the lounge with you while you wait for the flight? And everybody kisses each other and says, bye, Aunt Ella, and takes pictures and photographs and everything of you going through the departure gates, waving. Now, I just hit you. What did I hit you with? I'm not really sure of the point. How, how come the family members of those that got on the flight that watched Aunt Emma go through the gates, how come they don't have a photograph or a videotape of everybody that was in the lounge and how come the lounge security cameras wasn't, you know, uh, on and showing everybody sitting down? Yeah, nobody has never addressed this issue. Not even AJ, that, that Mr. Megaphone in Texas. Well, it, it, is it possible that they were just there on their own? You know? But but th this this hey. this uh, brings to, to the point that these were actually the people who were really involved and not just fingered patsies, which is really all they really were on that day. Because... The real perpetrators of the event need someone to blame it on so that they can justify the actions they're then going to take in the future. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back, folks. This is the last segment of this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I want to address a couple of things on this last segment. By the way, if anybody still wants to call in, the number is 866-841-1065. Again, we have about 10 minutes left on the show tonight. Um, I want to talk about Building 7 very briefly. I didn't prepare any physics equations regarding that building, but of course, as we know, this was the third building to, quote, collapse or essentially fall into its own footprint and it did fall into its own footprint on 9-11 at about 5.20 in the afternoon, 2001. Building 7 is a key to this entire truth movement. It's a key to the ritual, to the occult ritual that took place. And I'm going to be getting into that next week and in coming weeks. We need to understand that first and foremost, no planes hit that building. People say it was damaged by debris falling from the other towers and fires. But that wouldn't have caused the type of simultaneous and symmetrical structural failure that we witnessed with Building 7. And it could certainly not have caused a free fall speed collapse. Which for all intents and purposes, okay, people don't, don't want to say it was free fall 100% of the time. Ladies and gentlemen, 6.5 seconds, 47 stores, do the math, it's free fall speed. You want to say oh, it was exact free fall for a few seconds or a couple of seconds during that fall, whatever. 47 stories high, 6.5 seconds, that's a free fall collapse. That's a free fall fall. The word collapse being used in conjunction with that building is an oxymoron because it certainly was not a collapse. So, I mean, for anybody to buy that structural grade steel can collapse in that way, I don't, I, I, I just, you're not even an adult human being. That's the only thing I could say to you. You are a child, period. You are in cognitive dissonance. You want to be your own particular arbiter of truth as opposed to looking at the laws of nature and understanding how they work because the alternative is too fearful to you for you to embrace the real. You would rather live in fantasy world rather than embrace the real. And those are strong, harsh words. And to be honest with you, they're not as strong or as harsh as somebody who if they were standing in front of my face and were telling me that Building 7 was a structural collapse, what I would say to them in person. And that, this brings me to, the, to a couple of points. One, we need to stop being silent about this as a people, as a whole, because a whole lot more people than are speaking on this topic know that the official story is ridiculous. A whole lot more than are opening up their mouths because they're still in fear about opening up their mouths. We need to shed the fear of opening your mouth and getting up in the face of people who are in denial about this. The universe is spoken into existence. History always goes the way of those with the strongest voice. You could say it a million ways, but that's the truth. The voice is the creative principle. 
in conjunction with our care, what we are teaching people, what we are, t- are talking about, what we put our attention on is what manifests. The universe is spoken into existence. We need to get out there and not let this topic drop. Speak it more definitively, more forcefully. If we are not going to see the truth destroyed, and in reality, the truth can never actually be destroyed. The truth is what is. You're not going to really destroy that, but it can be covered up. It can be glossed over. It can be essentially rewritten in perception, in the minds of people. And we cannot afford to let that happen. The other topic I want to address is, briefly, unless we have any other calls waiting, that people who think that this is what I want to do, I don't understand what else to tell them. I hear this is your interest. You're interested in that all the time. I'm not interested in this, folks. This is a personal responsibility that I'm responding to. That's it. Because I don't want to see this generation and future generations grow up in an occultic prison state. This isn't what I want to do with my time. Sitting there for hours on end making presentations with boring physics, physics equation in them when I could be having uh, enlightening conversations with friends or, or going out or hanging out with my girlfriend or any, anything else that I happen to want to be involved with, making art, making music, whatever. That's what I want to be doing with my time. I don't want to be doing this. But until more people actually take up the reins and take this up as a personal responsibility and start showing people, whether they want to hear it or not, speak it. Doesn't matter whether anybody's listening. Speak it anyway. That's my advice when it comes to 9-11 truth. A seed will be planted. You can't unhear something. Dawn in Oregon, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. What do you have for us? Thank you, Mark. You know, I'm just, I just thank my lucky stars that you came to the other side, I guess you'd say. And I just think you're awesome. I really, I learned so much when I listened to your podcast. And uh, I'll never stop talking about 911 or anything else the government's up to. That's right. You have to, you know, I appreciate you have to get rid of me. So uh, it, for me, to shut me up. So, That's right. Um, yeah, you know, and and it's the elites have tried so long to dumb us down, and they're doing everything, and they hate us because we're dumb. I mean, it's, it's the it's the true definition of, of a psychopath. Honestly, I I mean they hate us because we're stupid and dumbed down, but that's all they do to us is mistreat us and. Oh, it just makes me so angry. Anyway, yeah, thank you for spending your time, you know, because honestly, you could be doing so many, so many other things, but with your depth of knowledge, you're just, you're so awesome. It's, oh, anyway. Well, Dawn, thanks so much. So, I, pre- I appreciate that. And it's all about all of us collectively uh, raising our voice, collectively uh, coming to the defense of the truth, getting the word out there. And when we do that, Nothing can stop us. That's what it's going to take. But in order for us to develop that voice, in order for us to develop that generative principle that actually creates the change that we want to see, we have to develop courage. 
See, if we don't have the courage, we won't come forward and speak our truth, the part, the part of the big puzzle picture that we can bring to the table. Because the, the, the actual reality that we're living in is like a big, huge puzzle picture that's been scattered into the darkness. And each of us may have a little bit of a piece and we need to bring that piece out into the light, set it on the table, put the pieces together, and then the, the big picture will come into view for enough people. You don't even have to have every single piece. We can't get lost in the details, folks. We can't not see the forest for the trees. Too many people fall into this trap when it comes to 9-11. We need to understand the generalities before we want to get in involved and argue about the specifics. Okay, I'm not saying specifics aren't important. They can be. But to let that be a source of infighting and division is not the way to go when it comes to this. We need to stand united about this and stay focused on the generalities that we know went down the way, uh, that we know didn't go down the way that the official story said. See, this is an apophatic methodology of getting at the truth, to go and say, this is what did not happen. See, that's what I just basically went about in this presentation here today with the physics equations. I said, these are the laws of motion. These are how they work. When you plug in all the weights and measures, you understand it could not have happened according to the official story. We arrived at the truth apophatically in the negative. People need to embrace this negative methodology of discovering truth. Rule out all other possibilities and what, what remains must be the truth. I hope people have learned something here today. I hope you'll continue to speak the truth in your life. I hope you'll continue to tune into this show. That's all we have time for here tonight, folks. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I'll see you here next Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern, when we'll get into the occult aspects of the 9-11 ritual. You won't want to miss that. For now, good night. Good night.